0: Man, doesn't that music just make you want to dance? I love it. Well, hey, I'm Dan Lukowitz, your host of Dan on Top. And today we've got another great guest, investor at Peak Capital Group, John Blanton. John, how you doing? Diamond Dan, what is up, my man? Yeah, how you doing? Great to have you on the show. Appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, hey, before we jump into the what of what you do, I want to know the who. So tell our viewers, who is John Blanton?
1: Yeah, so I'm very fortunate. I've got a beautiful wife, two young daughters, so beautiful family down here in North Carolina, Central North Carolina, just outside of Raleigh. Currently work in the tech consulting space and also do real estate investing on the side.
0: Awesome. And you have a podcast, is that right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. So one of the big things for me, just like yourself, diversification of income, and so Got a podcast, Contrary and Cash Flow. So we interview guests that have kind of made that leap into entrepreneurship and, and are able to kind of build that portfolio of income producing assets.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, as a host, you know, you get exposure to a ton of great personalities. What would you say are some of the, the greatest things you've learned from your guests?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a very big like show of me. Look at me person or I've never been big on social media. So it was really big learning opportunity for me personally. Right. It just I never thought I'd like have a podcast and watching myself on screen or hearing myself talk on audio is still uncomfortable for me. I'm getting more and more used to it. Um, but so outside of that, just from a personal development perspective, it put me in a position to kind of put myself out there in an uncomfortable circumstance. But, man, some of these stories and some of the some of the challenges a lot of these folks have gone through just are so motivational. And I just feel so fortunate that you know the guests that are willing to come on and share those experiences with me. I feel like it's made me so, so more well-rounded and appreciate what I have and where I've come from so much more. So it's given me so much better perspective on life. And I think that's just, for me, what's been the most grounding and motivational piece is just hearing these stories. And selfishly, I steal kind of, you know, some of the areas they've created efficiencies so that I can make sure that I'm you know making myself better in the most efficient manner as possible as well.
0: Yeah, it's really amazing being the host of a show. You get to interview such great personalities. And, and I often say that you know, there isn't a single episode that goes by where I don't learn something new. So it's really great to be in, that, in that, uh, you know, that side of the table, that side of the mic, if you will. So happy to hear that we have that in common. So tell us a little bit about the type of investing that you do, John.
1: Yeah, so I've kind of done everything across the board. So I've got, you know, my single family residential investments, I've done private lending, I've done fix and flip, I've invested as an LP and syndications, and now I'm getting a little bit more involved into the active operations side and uh, and to boot, my wife's actually bought a business as well, so we're kind of blended across the board from different investment strategies. But the core one that I'm focused on with Pete Capital right now is active investment within multifamily here in Central North Carolina. Okay. Uh, and obviously, everybody knows how competitive the real estate market is. And I we were talking yesterday about uh, you know a pretty exciting opportunity that you just put to market, and it, it ended up uh, getting a ton of very strong offers very readily. Yeah. And so I think you know from my side, I'm just trying to find creative ways to find deals the market that is so competitive as the one we currently reside in today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It really is. It's an exciting market to be part of, that's for sure. So, you know, being that you've had so many different roles in the real estate investment space, what would you say are some of your key learnings in those experiences?
1: Yeah, so the first one is our first investments were made at the very beginning, of, or not the very beginning, but close to the beginning of this, this run-up, right? And so, i wasn't being as analytical as i should have been at that time it was more gut feel hey are these do these hit the one percent rule or whatever the case is and these were in raleigh at the time which you know was among the top 10 markets in the country and obviously looking back you know i kind of got my let my ego get in the way and and didn't continue making some of those investments because the profile started changing a little bit from a return perspective so i think the biggest one is you just really always got to buy right and i think that's the biggest challenge that i'm running into in the market today Is people are getting very aggressive we don't know what the future of debt looks like we don't know what the future of occupancy looks like be it retail or residential it doesn't really matter right you know are people returning to the office are they not going to are you know residents especially when you talk about workforce housing you know are they going to have jobs to go back to in terms of retailers or restaurants or hospitality you know depending on what what city you're in obviously hospitality is not quite as big here in north carolina say as florida or nevada or other states um, but So I think the biggest challenge that I'm running into right now, and just in general, is you've really got to buy it right. And in my flips, I was fortunate enough to make money on them, but uh, some of them were a little skinnier than, than I wanted them to be. But um, the price points that we negotiated those properties on at the purchase is what really saved us. Um, my, yeah. operational, my, my operational efficiencies uh, definitely dragged us down a little bit, but again, the purchase price is really what saved us in, in those opportunities.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. And gosh, man, I remember those days of purchasing houses and flipping them, and there's just so many different things that can go right and so many things that can go wrong. And I couldn't agree with you more. Every dollar that you leave on the closing table at purchase is a dollar out of your pocket. No matter what you do in that deal, you will never get that dollar back. So I tell people the same exact thing, is that you have to buy it right and you have to fight for those dollars at purchase. Don't think that you're going to make them up at closing because whatever price you're going to sell it for is the price you're going to sell it for. But if you don't get it on the buy, it's gone. So I think that's really great advice. So you know, I know that you're a learner like me and you love to seek out resources to learn. Um, what are some of the best resources that you've found in your journey to learn about real estate?
1: So as far as real estate, I mean, I think BiggerPockets is a great resource for a lot of people. Um, you can ask questions and you can get responses from industry experts. I think that's what's so cool about BiggerPockets is anybody that's in the multifamily syndication world knows of the name Brian Burke. And I mean, I've answer, he's answered at least four or five questions that I've asked or other people. So, I feel like there's so few industries in general or platforms where you can go on, um, you know, it doesn't seem like there's one for sports or for other avenues, right, where you can really talk to the CEOs of these, or even, in, you know, even in my industry, right, I can't ask a question about technologies and have the CEO of Google or Facebook respond to me, right, whereas in, in the real estate realm, and especially in a platform such as BiggerPockets, you can kind of, Maybe not hobnob, but at least rub elbows a little bit with some of these big dogs, and I just think that's such an empowering feeling, and also a huge opportunity to learn through their their shared experience.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, my perspective is real estate is the coolest industry to be part of because the people are so great, and that synergy of knowledge, that abundance mentality of sharing secrets. Right, there are no secrets because there's so much out there and so much opportunity, and really. I say that a rising tide raises all ships, right? So if I can help you grow, it's going to help me grow, and vice versa. And I think that's just one of the coolest aspects about being in the real estate space is that that shared synergy and, and shared knowledge and, and that abundance of working together. So I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. So you know, John, you mentioned about your wife. You mentioned about you know being in, in doing some business together. What? Um, how does your your family feel in general about your real estate investing?
1: Yeah, so she's been fairly hands off the whole time, right? I mean, she's comfortable with it. She understands the risks that are involved in it, but she trusts me, right? And I think that's really where it stems from, regardless in any type of partnership. If it's a spouse, if it's a business arrangement, you may have to make sure the lines of communication are open and that you trust one another, right? If she didn't trust me, my aptitude to evaluate deals and to to make sure that I was underwriting them properly and, you know, we've lost money before. I mean, I'm not trying to say that I haven't lost money in deals or lost money to contractors that I shouldn't have and made mistakes. But she knows that regardless, I'm going to put forth that full effort to make it make it right. And eventually, I was able to pull her over to the dark side. And so now she's doing kind of her own evaluating small businesses and going down that path. And so now it's a little bit of a competition, right? You know, she's giving me a hard time, giving me some jabs about, oh, how much did you make this weekend or whatever, you know, from, <laughs> uh, from her different from her different avenues. So um, it's just so uplifting to have a partner that sees things similarly to you and that's going to push you and motivate you to become better. So, uh, but as far as the actual underwriting and you know analyzing the deals. She's pretty hands off. She trusts me. And just like with her new business ventures, I just let her do her thing. Uh, You know, I try to pop in here and there uh, (laughs) because I think my opinion is valid more often than not. Um, But, you know, (laughs) I try to keep my head down because she's been respectful enough to just kind of let me do my thing.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So let's rewind it a little bit. How did you initially get into real estate?
1: Yeah, so our story is a little bit interesting. Um, so we both work for a company. We work for the same company, fortunately, different divisions. So we don't we don't interact uh, on a day in and day out basis uh, through the company. But um, so we were deemed the, our per our income, we were deemed um, high income employees, and so we had a non discriminatory 401k plan. So at the time, we were actually putting away as much as we possibly could into a 401k, thinking, oh my gosh, we're such grown ups, you know, we're st- stocking away as much as possible. And that ended up being probably the biggest life-changing experience of my life the fact that that came up and we could only put four or five percent in so we had a lot of money that started stocking up in our in our checking account. We're like, what are we going to do with this? Obviously, like a gym or restaurant sounds cool and sexy and exciting. But, uh, you know, we knew that the time effort involved in that having a young family and having careers would be difficult. And so that's how we came across real estate, started immersing ourselves a little bit in reading, knowledge, networking, bigger pockets. And and that's how we kind of started looking at the 1% rule. So it took us about 12 months to purchase our first property to kind of hit that plateau. Um, but then, since then, you know, it's really been the last 24 months that we've been extremely intentional, and that's when we've seen our our portfolio grow exponentially.
0: So, you're talking about that safe harbor non-discrimination testing, where highly compensated employees cannot, you know, contribute more than than non highly con- uh, compensated. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Yeah. So, there's a certain percentage. I don't know the law, yeah. or the specifically exactly. But so, our company is really large, and we have a lot of folks that work in that's more so manufacturing realms and and lower income type of positions. And so they, they span it across the entire board. So, you know, if you've got 100,000 employees, even though that maybe 80,000 of our contract employees versus permanent employees of the comp- company, you know, you'd think, unfortunately for that individual, it's probably difficult for them making 10 or $15 an hour to be putting money into the 401k. Mm-hmm. So their contribution is zero. And so the majority, I think the average for the company was like 2%. And then we could put on an additional 2% on top of that. So that's where we got to the 4% was the amount right. that we were able to put into the 401k, which, like I said, at the time, I was very disappointed. But it ended up being the biggest blessing in disguise because I'm so happy that money's not into that 401k right that's now. That's so
0: interesting. So my fiance is a financial advisor, so I often hear her talking to companies about that you know, that exact you know, testing that you're talking about. So in your case, that refund that you got, you actually utilized it to invest in, in real estate.
1: Absolutely. And, and just the, the additional income that we had that would have been going into our 401k at the time, obviously, was just hitting our bank account. I mean, you know, 30 or 40% less. <laughs> Thanks to Uncle Sam. But uh, but yeah, so we were we were able to have that as disposable funds to invest in real estate.
0: Interesting. So we've mentioned, you know, real estate investing as well as, you know, 401k. What other assets uh, can, ca- you know, cash flow outside of real estate that you're interested in?
1: Yeah, so I'm super intrigued with crypto. Uh, I've got a little mm-hmm. bit. I bought some in the run up back in 2018 when it hit 20K k coin. Um, it doesn't cash flow. So that's one of the things that I've kind of stayed away from it because you're just sure. kind of tied to the volatility of the market. And I still think there's probably some manipulation going on behind the scenes with, with anything, you know, in the financial markets. Um, so small businesses are the other one. And I guess to the audience in general, I think that's been the challenge within real estate. It's like, okay, real estate's kind of a safe harbor asset to go to right now with, yeah. with some of the risks and potentially inflation risks. Where is there a prime opportunity? Well, small businesses, unfortunately they're getting hit really hard right now, but maybe this is an opportunity to help a, a, an operator out that maybe needs cash infusion to get out so they can you know, move on to the next venture or something. So we've actually started looking at small businesses pretty depthly because we think mm. there's a little bit more value in purchasing small businesses right now than there was before. The thing is you've obviously got to understand your, your reserves are gonna to have to be stronger on the front end while we're still in the pandemic. But if you can weather those storms coming out of it in say six to 12 months, your upside and your, your equity stake in the business could be even higher. So, I just, you know, I love real estate still, I'm right there with you, but I think small businesses are a great way to get in, and it's no different. You increase income, you decrease expenses, you increase, you know, NOI or EBITDA in the case of a business, and, and you know, you've got instant equity, right? You've, you've, you've created value out of nothing, and I think that's what our goal, ultimate goal is, is how do we create net worth and, and value out of thin air?
0: There you go, I love it, that's awesome. So, hey, you know, you've got a storied uh, past and, and, and a lot of interesting experiences as, as an investor. So if you could share, let's say, your top three pieces of advice for our viewers, what would they be?
1: Just do it. I mean, that's number one. You just got to get in the game. I mean, you just got to get in the game. You know, the longer you sit on the sidelines, the longer it's going to take. It doesn't matter if you win or lose. Just getting in the game is the hardest part because you can sit there and analysis paralysis all day long. And so the flipping, I knew nothing. I've never swung a hammer in my life and just getting in there and actually... I wasn't doing a lot of the work, but I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about as far as pricing and what things cost, but also from a communication perspective. So that's number one. Second is make sure you've got somebody with your, that, who has your back, say a coach or someone that's actually looking over your shoulder to help with the analytics and what you're doing and how you're underwriting the deal. And I think that's where I struggled in the beginning is if I had somebody over my shoulder saying, wow, this is still a pretty sweet deal and look at the upside, You know, this is right near a college, it's right near downtown Raleigh. Like this is, you know, There's a lot of runway, there's a lot of legs here. And so I think that's the second one is make sure that you've got an advocate in your corner that has more experience than you that can help push you and and kind of save you in regards to if you're going to make some mistakes, you know, it's kind of an insurance policy. And number three i know people aren't going to necessarily love this one but you've always got to focus on increasing your income at the end of the day it's always got to be out about increasing your income because that's the way you want to get to that i quadrant as the investor which is the best efficiency in regards to making income when you can put plug money into a deal and passively have it come back to you there's nothing more efficient than that and i think that's the biggest thing and that's my biggest takeaway for most people is you've got to increase your income. How can you increase your income? What skills do you have that you could reallocate in another means that you could make income from from, income from? Because I guarantee anybody in the audience right now has some skill that they can articulate and find a way to monetize it. It's just how do you break through and
0: find that? I love it. Just do it. Coach or mentor and increasing that income. And I mean, look, Number one, I mean, I, I this is we're we're in you know this is probably our seventieth episode. So sitting on this side of the table seventy times, I get to hear the same things over and over, and I mean that in a good way. And and you know when I've asked this question, I can't tell you how many incredibly successful people tell me it's all about action, and it really is. It's all about action. You know, the more shots you take, the more shots you'll make. I think that's really important. Coaching, mentorship equally as important. I mean, I have a mentorship program through my CRE Pro course where we mentor people and teach them how to become top commercial real estate brokers. And then obviously, combining those things together help you to increase that income, which is really what it's all about. So that's really great advice. I really appreciate that, John. We've got, I don't know, maybe two minutes left. I'm just going to turn the tables on you. Do you have any questions for me, my friend?
1: Yeah, man. Tell me all about this course. I'm excited. I know it drops tomorrow, so let's have at it. You know, Why should we take the course?
0: Yeah, great. I appreciate that. So, the CRE Pro course, which you can take a look at at www.creprocourse.com, is essentially a course that teaches people everything they need to know about commercial real estate brokerage, brokerage, everything they need to know about commercial real estate investing, and specifically all the tools, the tips, the tricks, the spreadsheets, the documents, um, et cetera, to become a top commercial real estate broker. So, really, there is nothing like it available at all. And and the reason that we created it, John, is because people were reaching out. I was having three or four calls a week where people were saying, hey, Dan, I want to get into commercial real estate brokerage. Can you help me? Hey, Dan, I want to know about this. Hey, Dan, can you talk to me about this aspect of brokerage? And I said, you know what? If enough people want it, and I really believe in it, I think that being a commercial real estate broker is the best thing that ever happened to me career-wise. So we put it together. We created it. And in addition to the actual course, we actually offer some higher level services as well, where we train brokers, like we work with actual brokerages all across the country to train their brokers to just produce more and become better at what they do. So that's the long and short of it. It drops tomorrow. We're super excited. We put a lot of time and energy into it, and we know that it's going to change people's lives.
1: That sounds awesome. And I think just back to the questions you asked me around, you know, what are the top three? And I think having a program like that or having kind of that that backstop to fall back on, right, is you think about somebody going out there in the audience and actually trying to, you know, get all this information that you've put into this course, it's going to take them hours or, you know, eons to try to put all this together. And I think that's the biggest thing stubbornly that I stuck with is I'm like, I'm smart, I'm, I'm going to figure this out on my own. And I probably wasted so many hours and potentially years trying to figure it out on my own instead of trying to expedite that learning curve and actually getting something that's going to take me to the next level much faster.
0: That's exactly right. Leverage other people's experiences, right? Find a mentor. Take action. Learn from the things that did work for me and don't do the things that didn't work for me. So that's what it's all about. And hey, John, I really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. It's been great getting to know you. Appreciate all the value that you've added to our viewers today. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing everybody soon.